Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Titans got a depth chart out. Hey, this is a big day for people. We it's, spend- it's, it's about as deep as, uh, as, as the ding-dong list. <laughs> depth chart. Oh, my. I, I love depth charts, though, because... Do you as really? A, because no, as a no, player... As, as you- an athlete. As an athlete. Okay. No, I, I really do. Because you, you must see where you are. So if a coach tells you, well, we don't have a depth chart, to a player, to me, that's a no-no. Okay. That, 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 that means that I'm not on the depth chart. <laughs> that's what that tells okay. me. If you ask the coach, your individual position coach, where are you at on the depth chart? And they go, well, we'll have depth chart. Meanwhile, y'all been running with, you know, running twos, ones. They call out ones, twos, three. So there is a depth chart. Yeah. Just trying to get confirmation that where you've been running, you know, and then you want to lead that conversation into something else. Like, okay, what do I need to do to continue to improve and, and those things? But when they say, well, we don't have a depth chart, that's been very coy. You know, and that, that to me tells me you're, you're probably not in, in the running here. Yeah, at any, at any level. I don't care what you're running. <laughs> that's what it tells that'd be right so i want to know where i'm at and where i need to go to get there and who's better than me and who's in front of me and, you know that and i could agree to disagree but it doesn't matter it's what you think as the coach so what can i do to get better that's why you're asking where you're at on the depth chart us as media members you know we, we're fascinated because we want to see what the coaches are thinking yeah and, and and it tells a lot i mean for some guys i mean it's a rude way I, i'm like, Jan Johnson had number two middle linebacker in front of Monty Rice. Is, uh, I don't know if that was a typo or, you know, I you go out there and practice, you're not even watching the middle linebacker but at the twos. But that, that, one, uh, that one there is kind of a head scratcher. Zambrello uh, and Lamb are competing for that right tackle. And uh, Radons is a, a guard. He's in the twos behind Nate Davis. Uh, so it was... You know, when the veteran backup receivers are doing well, Marcus Johnson and Chester Rogers were at the twos. Um, you know, Rashad Reaver was kind of deep on the depth chart, too. Uh, draft pick. So, and got Tier Tart starting, dominating up front. Him and, him and Jeffrey Simmons are causing really a lot of problems with these backup linemen who are, I guess, with the injuries issues. Yep. So, that's. That's a lot of watch this. That's a lot of beef up there to move. That I'm I'm serious now, and like you know, beef and man-child strength in Simmons. Just a, just a forewarning, and I know he's he's well at the PFF grades and, and everything else, but I'm not real big on calling the horse before he somebody's going to be great. But everybody's putting Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons on this elite plane like he's already arrived here. Right. And and that's not to say he won't get there. But let's let's wait till we see some games of him doing it and then consistently. Uh, so I'm a real big proponent of that. I think he potentially can be there. But let's just hold our horses. You know, I, I asked somebody over the weekend, you know, who on the roster do you think is a potential Hall of Famer outside of Derrick Henry? And the first thing they said was Jeffrey Simmons. I said, well, he hasn't even made a Pro Bowl. What do you, I mean, how can he be a potential Hall of Famer? Not to say that he won't be. Right. But that's the first person that came to your mind. I mean, this person's around the organization. They were like, that's the first thing. They, they said somebody else, but I was so baffled. Was when it AJ? Said, no, he didn't say. Yeah, yeah, it might have been. might have been AJ Brown. But he didn't say AJ Brown second. He said, he said, he brought Jeffrey Simmons. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I was like, hmm. And, and it go, you know, naturally he he's a first rounder and got injured and everything else, but you know, he has the he has Hall of Fame talent. Right. Obviously. But there's more to it. You have to develop your skill sets and everything else to be a complete player and then to dominate. Because we're talking as though he's already dominated. And he could be doing that in practice now. Mm-hmm. I haven't been out there to a lot of practice naturally, but it's still practice. I want to see him doing it in a game. And I'm not talking about run stuff. And I'm talking about dominating a game. I've seen what a D tackle looks like in a Titans uniform when I saw Albert Hainworth go for that contract. <laughs> yeah. And he dominated. It was a he was a force. I mean, unbelievable. I have never seen anything like that. It's the single most destructive thing I've ever seen for a season I, of I, NFL football. It was incredible. I was like, oh, my God, this guy here is. I mean, it was about as unbelievable when you watch CJ2K running for 2,000. Right. You know, every time he touched the ball, you stood up because, oh, it's about to be a big one. Every time he touched it. Well, every time I got on defense that year, Albert Hainsworth was the best player in the in the world Yeah, on defense. Defensive player of the year. Yeah, so I, that's what I want to start seeing, and I want to see the pass rush. I want to see the technicality and the counter moves and not just the bull. So I'm sure he's working on all those, but let's just let's, let's see it first in an actual game back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Then we can start saying, okay, this guy's going to be a Hall of Fame-level player, and I, I hope he is. He has the personality, he has the mindset, and he has the skill set. But we all know there's a lot of guys get in there and they, you know, get to, hey, man, this is about as good as I'm going to get. And they don't know who to go to to get better. So I, I don't know how much he's done on working on pass rush, spin moves. I want to see a vast array of things. I would have watched uh, Aaron Donald all offseason. I can say, well, I'm stronger than him. Maybe he's a little quicker than me. But I need to work on some of the things he's doing. Matter of fact, I would have reached out to him. With all the access on social media now that players have to each other, that's really easy. Uh, or agents, mm-hmm. and, you know, get in contact. Yeah, to see what you can learn. Well, you had the whole tight end summit. All the starting tight ends in yes, the NFL came here and worked out together. Yeah, I bet Aaron Donald would have said, come on, big fella. Here's where I am. Yeah. Here's what time to show up. Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh Aaron Donald works out with uh, oh, Chuck Sis- Smith Systems. Oh, Dr. S- uh, Dr. Rush, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That stuff yeah. actually works, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. I would have I would have received that. That's not a far drive, Jordan. Okay. So that, you know, I might have went up there just for a weekend just to learn a couple things, get some work out of it. Seminar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, Von Miller's, you know, he he, he still got a lot of sacks behind his name. Yeah, he does. <laughs> well, I was I was jumped on a buck today from practice and we were talking about Danico Autry and I said he might be the guy free agent wise I'm most excited about. And Buck and Buck was like, okay, that, I, I like it. explain this now because that's most people wouldn't pick him. Why'd you pick him? I said, well, I learned this because I, I sat next to Blaine Bishop a couple hours a day and, and then a whole bunch of hours during football season. And he reminded me of this. The shortest distance to the quarterback is right through the middle. Yeah. You, you got the shortest distance between you and him. And either he's going to get there because he's shown that he can or guess what? Big Jeff's going to get there because of the attention that he's getting. You crush that cylinder, and you make life difficult for the quarterback. I mean, look who won the Super Bowl last year, the team who affected the quarterback. Yeah, you know, affect the cylinder is big Mac attack terminology. And if you're crushing the cylinder, then now all of a sudden your outside guys are getting free rush lanes on the outside or easier rush lanes to come around that corner and that edge and get that motorcycle lean he's talking about. Yep. That that Landry and, and all the great, you know, Dupree and all the great pass rushers have. Uh, so it's uh, twofold. That's kind of what Albert Hainsworth 
in his heyday was doing. If not, then Von and Bosch, uh, you know, and the freaking whoever else was out there was just cleaning killing it, up. it. Yeah, cleaning it up, man. So hopefully, the Archery is an underrated player. And he played great against the Titans every time they played him. So I'm assuming that. I'm not watching him uh, other times they're not playing the Titans. But when you watch him out there at practice, he's, he's, a, he's a big, massive. He's a, he's a really good player. Yep. Really good player. Underrated. So I, I like that addition. I like the addition of Luke Worsham. He's been going to Titans practice A to Z. Titans reporter set to join us next. We'll get his impressions on this depth chart. We'll continue to talk about this rascal the rest of the day, too. Um, just because there's, again, it's like a feast. You just devour this thing. So we'll continue to talk about it. Titans depth chart released. Talking about with Luke Worship next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. We want Titans talk, and uh, it's time to get some satisfaction with Luke Worship, A to Z Sports, who joins us now. Luke, um, it was a hot day at practice, and I came in, and I was telling Blaine, this defense, it, it, it's been hot with the defense this whole camp, and they don't look like they're going to cool off anytime soon. You're absolutely right, Mickey. And when you look at this team last year, the offense was so good, and the defense was so not good. It was really the polar opposite. I think that's been the biggest takeaway from camp so far is that this defense looks really strong but also really focused and, and communicative and cohesive to, to dive deep into the, the, the dictionary there uh, under Shane Bowen. I mean, all signs point to a, a massive turnaround this year. So how much of this do you use your keen football mind for awareness and you say, okay, there's no Julio, there's no AJ, Derek's not doing a lot of the team stuff, the offensive line is patchwork. I mean, it's Tannehill back there, but a lot of his surrounding cast is not the same. So do you take some of it with a grain of salt, or are you just saying this defense is just killer and it's all because of them, or does it maybe meet somewhere in the middle? You know, I wouldn't go so far as to call them killer. Uh, I'm going to need to see more than, than training camp practice for that. But they, they look really nothing like the sort of confused, disheveled unit that we saw throughout the 2020 season. They look like they know what they're doing. Most of the time that we hear uh, coaches yelling at people not being in the right place, it's on the offensive players. The defense has kind of known what it's doing, and I think that's what you can get a gauge of in these practices because I, I think you're right that we have to hold off to some extent until the season starts to make big-time evaluations. But the communication and the conceptual understanding seems to be tremendously improved. No doubt Luke Worsham joins us from A to Z Sports at Luke underscore Worsham. You need to follow him there for all the latest with his Titans coverage. No doubt. Uh, thanks for coming on, Luke, and keep doing a great job out there giving us uh, updates to all your, your followers uh, as I'm a huge follower. But uh, I guess did you look at the depth chart, and was there anything that kind of stood out to you personally since you've been out there actually watching practice? Did you go, hmm, you know, whether it was an offense, defense, or you know, maybe on both sides, even special teams, Anything that you noticed that uh, you felt like, hmm, I don't know, this one here is kind of interesting? Uh, yeah, I think it was interesting that the, the right tackle was listed as Sam Brilo slash Lamb. That would seem to suggest that they're not looking at David Questenberry there. And while Sam Brilo was sitting out, we saw Questenberry getting a lot of those reps. So, so that would seemingly, at least in my eyes, take him out of that competition. 
Uh, and what also caught my eye was Chester Rogers being listed as the starting punt returner because he's someone who is, is right in the thick of it competing for that fourth, fifth receiver spot. And I think his ability to return punts gives him a leg up because none of the top three guys, uh, A.J., Julio, or Josh Reynolds, will do that. And I think the Titans need to find someone who can return punts. But, but since you're not getting you know, Tyreek Hill or, or Devin Hester out of this equation, someone who can also contribute in another way. And I think Rodgers has shown that he can be a, a potentially valuable slot receiver while giving them that ability to return punts and, and not wasting a roster spot for that. Mm. And on the defensive side, I have didn't even notice who Jan Johnson is. Have you noticed him out there as the backup behind Rashawn Evans, or is this just a formality there that he's he's there? I have no idea who Jan Johnson is, Blaine. You know, I think if you sent me out onto the practice field with everyone still wearing their jersey numbers, I don't think I would be able to point to you who that is. <laughs> Maybe that's me not being very good at my job. Um, <laughs> no, but, no, you're but, really but good I, at your I, job. I, yeah, well, I think what it is is the fact that, like, you, the word you use, this is just a formality. Like, I, the, Jan Johnson is not making this team. Yeah, well, I, I, I never even uh, knew he was out there, so I, <laughs> I, I was just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything because I can't miss him. No, no. Especially when you're talking about at practice. And I have to ask you about the kicking game. Does it look like with the competition now with, you know, somewhat of a veteran guy and Sam picking, uh, is he pushing Tucker McCann? And is that making Tucker, uh, I guess, a better kicker and showing more consistency? You know, when, when camp started, I was just dead convinced that this was a charade and that it was <laughs> always going to end up being Goskowski yeah. and that this was just sort of a, a for funsies competition. Like, the more this has gone on, the more I've started to wonder, like, would they actually be comfortable with one of these two guys? And McCann continues to not be very good. He, he missed one today, whereas Ficken went seven for seven. I, I don't know. Like, I will say Tucker McCann looks better. Like, I remember last year when we were out there, every single one of McCann's kicks was a knuckleball. Like, it had so much movement on it that we were struggling to tell whether they went in. And he doesn't have that problem anymore. But he's also, like, not making them consistently. And when every single day you send your kickers out for the kicking period and, and us media vultures are tweeting out that they're going five and six or, or four or five every single day, like, that's a problem. You need a kicker that can do better than 80%, I would think. Well, we should hope, especially if you're trying to make that Super Bowl run. Uh, I guess, lastly, for me, before I pass back to Mickey, and that is – is have do we need to get accustomed to Logan Woodside is the backup quarterback, or is that just way ahead of the, you know, and that Barkley with his experience is eventually, you know, going to be the backup? Where are we yeah, with the backup? Quarterback? I don't know. I think it's an interesting question. I think they really like Logan Woodside. Mm -hmm. I don't really know why. Like I have never seen anything from <laughs> well, he Logan played Woodside. Played in a regular season game. Man. He's been in a preseason game. <laughs> I've never seen anything from him that made me go, wow, you know, this guy's got it. Now, now granted, Deshaun Kaiser, Blaine Gabber, that's kind of the mold of quarterback where you watch in practice and you're like, man, this guy's got the, the tools, the, the, the physical, you know, from a physical standpoint, everything you'd want. But Woodside also is, like, not really that accurate, I don't think. Like, he, he misses his mark a lot of times. I think what they probably like from him is he probably knows the playbook. He's probably good with – 
timing and understanding, you know, the offense from a conceptual standpoint, which I guess is like what you want if, because if Tannehill's out for the season, it's over. But if he's out for a game or two, you want someone who can come in and, you know, go one and one in those two games where Tannehill has to sit out. And they probably think Woodside can be that. I don't know that he can. But granted, I don't think Matt Barkley is, is that either. There's a reason that he was a free agent at the beginning of August. So it, it's, I think it'll be Woodside just because they seem to like him. And I don't know that Matt Barkley is going to do a whole lot. Maybe the preseason will tell us more. But I think you're going to have to look to Woodside. And if he were to ever have to play, it, it would come down to execution of, of Todd Downing's game plan more than him really creating anything on his own. Wait, 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 real quick, though, because I never got to see Kaiser live. Did he just look that bad and off? Or what, what was what you see out of Kaiser? Because he has the tools. He has the big arm. Was it he wasn't yeah. picking up on the playbook? He just wasn't very accurate. What were some of the things that were leading him down the road to release him? Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser kind of looked exactly how I expected Deshaun Kaiser to look. Fast, big, yeah. big arm, and all over the place with accuracy and decision-making. <laughs> I mean, I remember on day one, he was like rolling to the left, threw one across his body that he had no business throwing, and Breon Borders picked him off. He threw another bad interception a day after that. But, like, look, th- I don't think we should be terribly surprised by the fact that Deshaun Kaiser didn't last long with the Titans. This is a guy who was a second-round draft pick, and-, and I know that Cleveland was terrible top to bottom. But the dude went 0-16 as the team's starting quarterback, and I can't remember if he started every one of those games. But he was the guy on the team that went 0-16 – and before that, he nearly got Brian Kelly fired at Notre Dame, but yet the NFL fell in love with him because of the physical tools. He's just never been able to put it all together. And in, what, year four, year five, I, I think anyone who thought that it was going to magically all come together now was probably just expecting a little bit too much. Well, with uh, Luke Worsham uh, with the A to Z Sports. Yeah, Luke joins us on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. It was an interesting moment uh, – it's been fun to watch Caleb Farley get kind of plugged into things and, and seems to be doing more and more, which is a great sign physically after all that he's been through. So Titans fans yeah. are certainly excited about that. And, and Luke, I was waiting for my COVID two weeks to clear after my last shot. So I finally got to go out and see practice on Saturday. And the first thing I noticed was like, oh my gosh, this guy looks like if you said, hey, we're making a movie send a guy down, he's going to play an NFL cornerback. Like, that's a guy who yeah. you'd be like, I'm going to send Caleb Farley. It's exactly what he looks like. I'm sending him. But he, Vrabel yeah. got into his butt today. He learned a valuable lesson about how to practice. Yeah, it, it hasn't been easy going early for Farley. Now, that this is not me ringing the alarms or saying, you know, we need to start wondering because he didn't play football for a year or whatever. He's young, and it's going to take some time for him to figure out how to put those you know, rare generational physical traits that he has to use. And I'm going to call myself out here. I I tweeted out a couple of weeks ago, I said it on my podcast, that I thought that week one, you put that guy on DeAndre Hopkins and see what happens. But after watching him practice and realizing how how big the learning curve ahead of him is, uh, I'm starting to think that might be a better job for old Jackrabbit instead of Caleb Farley. Because like you said, Mickey, there was a play today where, uh, Logan Woodside was the quarterback. He scrambled up the middle, 
and Farley just looked lost. Like he was kind of looking around as to where to go and, and kind of fell to the ground and, and was near Woodside, but never even touched him. And, and Vrabel said after practice today, he's like, yeah, we got to, like you said, we got to learn how to practice and we got to learn that we can't give that kind of minimal effort where we're sitting down on the ground. Uh, they did a drill the other day where they had two on two, two receivers, two DBs, and they were practicing switching off a slot and an outside receiver. He really struggled with that. Had a holding call on Saturday trying to cover Des Fitzpatrick. Uh, Caleb Farley, you know, I bet on him being a great NFL player, and it's early. But over the first three days of watching him, I'm struggling to convince myself that he's going to be a great NFL player, you know, at some point over the next couple of months. I think it's going to take more than that. Luke Worsham, our guest from A to Z Sports at Luke underscore Worsham. You need to follow him there. Joining us on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. I, I was going to ask you this, and and I've been able to see a couple of practices now, but I know you've you've been out there on the regular. So the one receivers are, are not practicing. I mean, you're, I, I guess they're doing mm-hmm. some stretch and individual with AJ and, and, and Julio, and Julio hasn't been on the practice field wanting a week since he came down awkwardly on a play. They're kind of bubble wrapping those guys. If you had to say, okay, out of everybody else, this guy or these guys are taking and and uh, Josh Reynolds has missed what he missed like five days in a row. Yeah, who are the guy or guys? Because it seems like Marcus Johnson, but I'm curious, who would you say like these guys are going to put together a camp that could make the team? You know, if, if you're playing purely, or you're making this decision purely based on receiving ability. I think you have your top three, right, Reynolds uh, and Julio and A.J. Brown. And then I think it goes probably Marcus Johnson four and then Chester Rogers five, which is shocking because I think we all came into this expecting Nick Westbrook-Akina to take a step forward and Des Fitzpatrick, the fourth-round draft pick, to do anything. But Des Fitzpatrick is not one of their six best receivers right now. Uh, He has a really steep learning curve ahead of him. He hasn't done much. He struggled to make routine plays. Personally, you know, if he wasn't a fourth-round draft pick and didn't have the potential that they see in him, I don't think he would make the team. But he will make the team because he does have that potential. But it's been Johnson and Rodgers. And these are two guys that I don't know that Titans fans were terribly familiar with. I don't know that I was terribly familiar with them. Certainly not Johnson before camp started. Uh, But but Johnson's 6'1". He's fast. He makes plays every day, uh, you know, with his speed and with physicality. And Chester Rodgers is a quality option in the slot, like I was talking about earlier. Those are the two guys who are neck and neck for that fourth receiver spot. Like I said, I don't know that anyone was expecting that, but that is certainly the way that that has played out so far, and I would expect that to continue in the preseason games too. Luke Worsham joins us on Blaine and Mickey. Well, after hearing that, Luke, okay, let's just assume that's the top five. Who is number six? Because I think with the depth of this receiving core, six guys may make the roster. So if it is six, who's the sixth guy? Yeah, well, I think it's definitely six. I think you have your top three. I think Fitzpatrick is in because he was a fourth-round draft pick, and I think Rodgers is in because he's the punt returner. That makes five, and so then you go, okay, well, what about Racy McMath? Because I feel like he's someone that they feel is very valuable on special teams. Mike Vrabel said he's going to have a major role on special teams, and to me that doesn't sound like someone you're going to cut, and I also think that if you cut Racy, you can't get him back. He strikes me as someone that – that would get scooped up on waivers. So there's six right there, and we have not gotten to Nick Westbrook-Akina. We have not gotten to Marcus Johnson, and we have not gotten to Cameron Batson. And so I really think the question is, do they keep seven? 
Uh, now, I'm coming out with a, uh, a 53-man roster projection on Saturday after they play Friday night, but I'm kind of playing around with it now to prepare for that. And I really think there's a scenario where they keep seven to make sure that they don't lose McMath or, or Johnson or some of these guys that um, could end up being valuable assets to them, especially with, with Des Fitzpatrick probably not being able to contribute a whole heck of a lot at the moment. Man, well, I'm going to ask you what you're expecting or looking forward to on, on uh, Friday in the preseason game, but two more questions about players, and that is uh, Weaver, another draft pick, as well as uh, Dylan Radens, uh, you know, he's at the guard position, I think, on the number on the twos. How have they fared to look? Because the depth chart says Weaver's kind of down here, and, and Radens is actually a guard on here. He's not even competing at the tackle position. Yeah. And Weaver, Weaver's look good. I've noticed him flash a few times. Uh, I feel like John Simon is probably going to be that third outside linebacker, but yeah. Weaver mm-hmm. will certainly be active, I think, and, and contribute if he's eligible. You know, his legal situation certainly plays into this, and that's a whole other conversation there. And Dylan Radin has, has really not looked good. It, it's been um, very, a very underwhelming effort for him. Like you said, he's not really even a part of the right tackle competition e- anymore. I think they probably hoped he would win that spot and now two weeks into camp he's, he's not even really in the thick of it anymore and, and is more playing at guard uh so it, it's been disappointing we've seen him get beaten on some like routine pass rush moves by guys like Derek Roberson who you know are not exactly top of the line pass rushers so it's been a disappointing camp for for Dylan Radens Brable said the other day that he needs to get better needs to be more consistent which which granted he said for about all of the rookies uh, but but I would certainly, uh, you know, on the stock chart, I would put Weaver pretty far ahead of Raiden's at this point. Mm. Well, man, if you – okay, well, let, let's go down the, the depth chart as far as draft picks. Two weeks into camp, let's just call it that. How are okay. the draft picks that were recently drafted looking yeah. thus far, and how much do you think they're going to impact? Uh, you're talking about 2021 draft picks, yes. like from this year? Mm-hmm. Because I think if, if that's yes. the question, it's probably Elijah Molden would be at the top because he's doing a lot of everything. Mm. He's one of the few people that Vrabel hasn't made a comment about, you know, needs to get better or something like that. And, and he hasn't had the same mental error problems that, that Caleb Farley has had. And then you probably put Farley after that just because of his physical traits. And I think he will be able to contribute. Just it, it might take him a while to – to be really, really good, like I think a lot of people want and expect him to be. Uh, and maybe McMath after that because of his special team stuff. And then beyond that, it's just sort of a cluster of guys that you don't really know what you're going to be able to get out of them. Like I said, Raiden's has struggled. Uh, Weaver is probably going to be the fourth outside linebacker. Um, let's see, who are some of these other guys? Monty uh, can't really, re- Yeah, I can't remember the rest off the top of my head. But – that, that's probably Rice. how I would put it at this point, molding at the top. Okay, got you. All right, so what are you looking forward to uh, in the preseason game, which is uh, Friday? Who, who are you looking to say, okay, who, who needs to step it up when the lights click on? Yeah, I'm looking forward to the receivers, I think, more than anything. I'm a big receiver guy in general. That's probably my favorite position to, to watch and to, and to talk about and discuss. And so, naturally, I'm inclined toward that. But with this group of Titans receivers, there's such a strong competition happening there for those roster spots. 
And I'm really looking forward to seeing, because we've seen it on the practice field. On the practice field, it's Ben Rogers and it's been Marcus Johnson. You know, now that the full pads are on, you're playing another team. There's a real officiating crew. There's fans there. You're under the light. I want to see who can shine in that environment. Is this a situation where maybe Nick, Nick Westbrook-Akina finally steps up and starts to do something? Or is it going to be more of the same where it's Johnson and Rogers making all of the plays? So that's probably where I'm most interested. And I guess if Caleb Farley plays, which I don't know, he, he's not really a full participant quite yet in practice, though he's doing more and more every day. If Caleb Farley plays, my eyes will certainly be in his direction every snap that he's out there. But those are probably the two things I'm looking forward to the most. Luke, great stuff, man. We appreciate the time again. At Luke underscore Worsham, A to Z Sports. You got your 53-man roster coming up. Uh, projection, you said, after the game against Atlanta. The uh, right. the reunion with Arthur Smith. So uh, Atlanta fans are learning about, you know, uh, uh, you know, media session Arthur Smith and and how much he <laughs> does or doesn't say, which is he doesn't say things. Oh, that's know. right. Oh man, Luke, before right, we let so, you go, man, yeah, I gotta ask you this because yeah. people were saying this okay. on NFL Network, and that is when they did seven on seven. Let's say they did ten reps. Let's throw it out there: ten or eleven reps. How many balls did they complete? If you can recall, um. Not many. <laughs> Maybe like one or two. Oh, the so what's true? Oh, no. What is going on with the offense? Don't tell me because the know. starting Tannehill, receivers are out wasn't, there. Tannehill wasn't in rhythm for the first you know, week or so. He's, he's kind of settled in now. But, uh, you know, there's no Julio. There's a, no A.J. Brown. I don't, I'm not going to sound the panic alarm, but that is a correct assessment that the offense has not looked great so far. Oh, oh I was hoping it wasn't true. Thanks, Luke. <laughs> Luke, thank you, man. We appreciate the time and uh, always appreciate the follow on social media. Great information. All Titans fans need to follow you right now. Thanks, man. Right, appreciate it. Take it easy, fellas. Yes, sir. Luke, Luke Worsham breaking it down for us on Blaine and Mickey. When we come back, let's run through the draft picks, how they're looking so far and where they are on the depth chart. Let's match <laughs> Let's match the draft picks with the depth chart, which came out today. We'll do that next. We'll have a little fun. Just having some fun here. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Thanks for hanging out with us today and every day. We appreciate it. Titans training camp rolls on. They had officials there today. Did you like working when the officials came? Would you ask them, like, what if I did this? Can I get away with that? Does this fit the rule? I I didn't say what if I did. I just did it. Then 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 you let them tell you, like, hey, don't do that. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Or if they didn't say anything, I'd say, oh, so I can get away with that. But make a note. Yeah, Yeah, so, you know. But I was always trying to build a relationship with the referees, just – because you're going to be, you know, seeing those guys at some point in time throughout the season, and uh, you want to get to know them a little bit. Hey man, if you so lost you weight, little... you look good. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> hey man, how's the fam doing? You know, you want to have those kind of conversations. That way, you know, you can get away with a little nudge, a little hold here or there. If it's away from the play, it's not impacting the play. They'll let you give you a little slice. Hey, wash your hands there. You yeah. know, two, three. You know, so. Those are the kind of things you're trying to do. And then when it's, you know, a play that's impacted, you know, they're going to give their, their call. They got a job to do. So, yeah, just and you want some clarity on some things. But typically they do that in uh, meetings. I think they meet with the officials uh, after practice at some point, and they kind of go through examples, breaking down certain plays and why they call calls and, and what the new rules are being emphasized this upcoming season and those things. So I'm, 
I was really attentive to that stuff. A lot, you know, a lot of players kind of take it for granted uh, and just kind of, oh, I'm going to take this a good time to snooze. I was paying a lot of attention because I wanted all the tricks in it that I had in my back pocket. No and, doubt. And it wasn't a flag. It was, <laughs> it was one to, to, to kind of circumvent the rules a little bit. Push All it right. to the limit. We're gonna play. We're pushing this this last segment to the limit. We're gonna play a little game. We're gonna we're gonna do draft picks and where they are on the first depth chart. So this is basically how they are after a full off season, and where they stand. Where are we? Uh, week and a half into training camp. Is that where we are? Yeah. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, number. We want to go from the front or the back. <laughs> you mean at the end of the draft? Pick? Yeah. Let's start at the end. Then. All right. Brady Breeze, six round pick. I will say this too. I saw somebody tweet this out. He was taken in the sixth round. He got thrown out of practice. <laughs> 11 picks before Trey Smith. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is like. <laughs> you could have had Trey Smith. Oh, my. It was 11 picks later. Oh, my. Just with that being said alone, the odds of him having a chance of making a roster are slim to none. <laughs> he's doomed because everybody's gonna say we can add Trey Smith. Eleven picks later was Trey Smith again. He's starting. They, they put out depth chart yesterday. Yeah, I, you know, you know. Now get now to Kansas City credit. I, I love Andy Reid to death. Great dude. Uh, is their team is really good, and and so are the Titans. But they felt like it was worth the risk. Yep. A lot of teams pass him up if you get to the sixth round. Yep. So they didn't feel like it was worth the risk, and maybe it's the unknown. Uh, but. It was un- not unknown that this guy is going to be starting soon as he got in the NFL. I don't care what round he He's mauling in. people like a bear. Yeah, well, he's doing the same thing he did in college and in high school. Yeah. It's, it's a, he's, a different, he's a different breed, man. It's just, you know, if he can just uh, get his uh, health under, you know, under the wraps, I, I think, uh, yeah. But, yeah, Brady Breeze is going to have to live under that shadow. So, I, he may, he'll probably be on the practice squad. All right, Brady Breeze, uh, six pick. He's on the third team. 215. Right, it's 215. A pick, a pick after I was picked, 214. Oh, okay, 215. Racy McMath, also a six-round pick, the, the special teamer out of LSU. He's listed. There's a bunch of wide receivers. Like I said earlier, it's a pile of number twos. There's a pile of number two wide receivers. He is listed amongst that pile of wide receivers running with the twos, Racy McMath. Yeah, I think, I think because I've, I've watched him live, Great special team guy, so he will be willing to run down. That's going to help him out and make tackles. Uh, he looks better running routes than he did in college. So he's, he's. A, I think he's a guy that, uh, I think he's going to squeeze in there and make the roster, but he's like fifth guy on the, fifth, sixth guy on the depth chart as far as wide receiver. But I, I think he's going to squeak in there. Not just because he was a draft pick. I think you see the upside in him getting better week in and day in and day out. So I, I, I kind of like, like him more than I thought I would. And if he's a number six receiver, that cat ain't catching any passes. He's out there to play special teams, yeah. and that's what that—that's that's literally that's what he did even nice in LSU. Size too, man. Uh, the guy next next Rashad Weaver, fourth round pick, and remind it, there's no fourth team. There's only one, two, and three. He's on the third team right now. Mike Vrabel was asked about him. He said he needed to be more consistent. Rashad Weaver with a lot of the young guys. That's what happens. You know, they'll show flashes, and you say, oh, man, okay, and then you want to see it over and over, and then they start, eh, we didn't see it today. He wasn't focused. Des Fitzpatrick on the third team, listed behind Racy McMath. They traded up to get Des Fitzpatrick in the fourth round. Currently, the fourth rounder is on the third team. Yeah, this one here is uh, (laughs) – and they traded up, like they almost pushed the panic button. They needed to draft a receiver – 
might have reached a little bit. I think he's going to be good, but this year I I don't, I don't see it. I I don't. I, man, it's going. He may be the last spot for the receivers. Actually, I put McMath because he brings more value today, right? Uh, because of his special teams. So Fitzpatrick, he may get that last spot at receiver. All right, that music means Lucas is telling us to hurry. Uh-oh. Elijah Molden, third starter. team on the depth chart, but probably starting in the slot. In the slot. Mm-hmm. Monty Rice, third team on the depth chart behind a guy named Jan Johnson. Who That's even, not good. We did not recognize him. Dylan Radens is working guard right now. He's a second-round pick at tackle. And second string. And he's second string as a guard. And to Caleb wrap Farley. it up, Caleb, Caleb Farley. That's what I said. He he is determination of how good this draft class is. Let's he's got to be on the field. If he's not on the field, this draft class is Elijah Molden. He's listed <laughs> as second team right now. As biggest contributor. And he just started practice. So we'll see how much he gets better. He's still got a ways to go. Four weeks to go. Hopefully, Caleb Farley is ready to rock and roll week one. We got no further to go because our show's over. The, when the Eagles start, we got to go. 3HL coming up next. Enjoy your Monday, people. Appreciate you, ding dong. (laughs) Happy Monday! Peace. Peace.